0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Today is Victory Monday, August 29th, 2022. Reacting to all of the game tape, which I had a chance to review yesterday from the Dolphins' 48-10 preseason victory over the Philadelphia Eagles.
1: You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Monday, August 29th, 2022. It is Victory Monday here on the show. I Want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Brightco. Guys at Brightco, Jewelry Insurance made buying insurance for your engagement ring, watch, or whatever easy so you can get covered in two minutes on your cell phone. You won't find a better deal on coverage that's so affordable. Go to Bright dot co slash locked on Uh, obviously victory Monday here on the show Dolphins victorious uh, 48 to 10 against the Philadelphia Eagles in week three of the preseason Uh, a a generally sublime performance uh, for the Miami Dolphins on the field Uh, but I would be remiss uh, and, and I'm sure most of you who are engaged on social media have at least heard this news in some capacity but I would be remiss Uh, to start today's show without acknowledging the loss of of a very prominent member of the Dolphins organization and family in Jason Jenkins, VP of Communications and Community Affairs. Um, Passed away at 47 years old on Saturday, very unexpectedly leaves behind a wife and three kids. And um, I only met Jason a couple of times um uh, but but Jason was somebody who when I did see him and he introduced himself to me he treated me like an old friend and everybody who has come out and uh, voiced their their devastation in the loss of Jason Jenkins as a human being um has echoed that that's who he was for everyone and when i think about you know the dolphins as an organization you know i i I haven't done USA Today's Dolphins Wire for about uh, a year now, uh, but I had that, that title for two and a half years. And when you first sign the contract with, with Gannett, uh, the, the media company that runs the wire sites, uh, their focus is they want to provide reading volume to their audience. So they're looking for four to six topics a day. And, If you've listened to my podcast in season or if you were reading Dolphins Wire at the time, it's not hard for me in season. Right. You got a lot of matchups. You got a lot of players. You got a lot of storylines. And then you get to the draft cycle. And in the draft cycle, uh, there's endless players you can tie with teams and mock drafts and team visits and workout, all that kind of stuff. Free agency. But think about like the months of like June. In July when like you got a little bit of mini camp, but not really. Uh, And then training camp doesn't start till the very end of July. Right. So as I'm in this role for USA Today and Dolphins Wire, and I'm coming through my first year of doing this, I very quickly realize that if you get on social media and you can't go to Jason's page (laughs) because that that was part of Jason was uh, to give and to serve and to be prominent in the community. Uh, and ne- to never make it about him, right? Uh, but if you got on social media any given day, if I'm looking for a story to talk about, you could search the dolphins and odds are you're going to find swim lessons or connecting the black youth with uh, uh, police depart- the police department and law enforcement or donating scholarships to college or donating backpacks to kids, underprivileged kids, or giving pads, football pads, to underprivileged high schools, or donating mattresses to kids for a bed to sleep on, or the food drive, or dolphins challenge cancer, or hurricane relief, you name it. And the dolphins were so involved, and this this part of the dolphins is somebody who does not live in the South Florida community. To see it from afar and to kind of stumble into it when I'm looking for, okay, how can I continue to to talk about things with this team that they're doing? And they're doing so much off the field to give to the South Florida community. And there's a lot of people and a lot of time that went into those efforts. But um, Jason Jenkins was very much at the forefront of that push from the Miami Dolphins to make the South Florida community a better place. And he will obviously be dearly missed. And, um, I acknowledge that here on a victory Monday, because it it does, it feels like the hollowest of victories because for as fun of a football victory as the dolphins enjoyed on Saturday night, which we are going to talk about here for the rest of the show, uh, the, the team and the community and humanity, uh, suffered a very great loss on Saturday. So, um, I wanted to acknowledge Jason Jenkins at the top of today's show, uh, because he was a great person and somebody who went out of his way to be very kind to me when he did not need to be, and was extremely helpful to me when he did not need to be. And, um, he touched me, and I think about Jason and his legacy, and I think the greatest thing you could say about his legacy is based on all the things that he was involved in with the Dolphins and all the people the Dolphins have touched during the 13 years he was with the organization, you can't count the number of people whose lives are better because of Jenks and Jenkins. And it, it, I could not have started today's show without acknowledging him and his family and keeping them in our thoughts at this time. And um... Let's just take a moment uh, of silence here on the show for Jason and then we'll come back and we'll go into the football and all the great things that the Dolphins did on the field on Saturday and kind of get back to our regularly scheduled programming. But thanks for your patience uh, to hear me out on this, but just know that like, it doesn't matter what creed or background or religion or ethnicity or orientation you were, Jason Jenkins was a champion for you and um, we're keeping him in our thoughts and his family in our thoughts at this time. Okay. Let's um let's switch gears. Let's talk a little football here on on today's episode of Locked on Dolphins it is Victory Monday. Here on the show Dolphins 48 to 10 a, a spectacular performance in every phase really of the game. Um Almost 500 yards of offense, 27 to nothing lead in the first half. Uh, The Dolphins trotted their starters out on each side of the ball for three possessions. And I think that's the first place I'd like to start, is thinking from a big picture perspective. I think the Dolphins became markedly more ready to play a football game for keeps each and every time they stepped on the field. And that is a great testament in my mind to the approach of Coach McDaniel and this Dolphins organization to get the players ready to go for the start of the regular season, which is now two weeks away. Um, Tampa Bay was a win, it was a sloppy win. And really, you know, Skyler Thompson played quarterback from the start and he looked phenomenal, but the running game didn't get any kind of movement going, really couldn't run the ball. And then you played the Raiders. And the rushing totals weren't much better, but you said, hey, or at least I came on this podcast last week when I did the offensive film study and said, hey, stick with it. Uh, there's a lot of good that's happening from a run concept perspective. And, and you were two missed blocks on, two, on one missed block on two respective plays from having about 110, 115 extra rushing yards uh, on your total. And then the Dolphins came out and rushed for 200 yards against the Philadelphia Eagles. And listen, I understand that the Eagles did not play all of their starters and the Dolphins gave their starters three possessions on each side of the ball and the deficit was 17 to nothing at that point in time. But conceptually, you're seeing those things manifest. You're seeing the execution get to a better place. You're seeing the tackling improve. You're seeing uh, the movement, the displacement in the run game, the the wash off the edge to really create these voids. You're you're starting to see the fullback position get involved, and it was via Seathan Carter on Saturday as compared to Alec Ingold, who we expect to be the starter. But you're you're seeing more and more and more of these pieces all fit together. We saw Tua Tonga-Valoa to Tyreek Hill. And they made two connections on their first two plays. Tua himself was six of seven. Um, I thought he probably got a little greedy on the only incompletion that he had, which was a, a corner or an out route to River Craycraft that the timing just wasn't right on. It was a third and long. It was after Tua took the sack when he rolled outside the pocket. But on that play, some kind of miscommunication where... I don't know if they got the mic point. They pointed to the wrong backer as the mic. But the Eagles brought two pressure players off the second level off the left-hand side. And Connor Williams kind of stepped right, but was kind of available. And Liam didn't pass off the guard that stepped inside. And the Raheem Mostert steps up into the B-gap and picks up the first blitzer. But then the second blitzer is free, and Connor Williams is kind of – or Robert Hunt is kind of unattached at this point. And you got two bodies on the defensive tackle between Connor and Liam. So Tua knows that the pressure's not right. And I think that in itself is a nice win. That in itself was a very nice win that Tua understood. We're not blocked right. I've got to get to the top of my drop, and i got to throw the ball. And it was kind of like it was out there for River, but it was a couple yards wide, and it kind of felt like a throwaway where you did have Mike in the flat. Now, it was 3rd and 15, 3rd and 13, 3rd third and, third and 16, whatever. It was 3rd and, and more than 10 because Tua took the sack on second down. So I understand you're trying to make a throw to get the first down, and it's the preseason. But that was the only critique that I had. I could care less about the ball placement on the ball of the Tyreek right now. Was it left a little short and a little inside? Sure, yeah. But you know what? It was still 51-yard completion. I'm not going to sit here and nickel and dime them right now. Now, if we consistently see touchdowns brought off the board throughout the course of the season, We'll have the conversation, but I just watched Tua drop 165 yards uh, to tire, or 62 yards to Tyreek in practice like two weeks ago. Tyreek, to his credit, he had a safety over top of him on that play. And he really threw on the Jets, and he was all gas right off the jump, ran right by Camon Wallace. Camon Wallace, the safety for the Eagles after the game said, I've never seen somebody run that fast in my life. Tua has a back-to-the-defense play fake. Gets up to the top, hitches into the throw, release. Left a little inside, sure. Left a little short, sure. But that comes down to you can do it against. You can do that in practice. When you're against cover three, which is what it was in practice when two had dropped the dime to him and everybody lost their mind with the practice clip. Cover three. Safety cuts the crossing pattern. The other corner's got to try and run underneath of it and get there. and can't. And you got free access. It's a different thing altogether when you are speed releasing at the line of scrimmage against man coverage with a safety over top of you, and you still run by it. That's a testament to the speed that Tyree Kill has, because that route should not be open. Should not be open. Man coverage safety over the top to that half the field. I'll tell you right away. You're not supposed to be able to th- throw the, bo- the go ball there. The process has to be a little quicker because the speed release is quicker because you got to run past the safety at 15 yards of depth. The timing's going to get better, and the timing's going to be fine. Completed pass. I don't care. I don't care. And, and I'm sure that there were, are plenty of people who do, and you see it continue to be nickpicked. picked but it, it's... I wrote this story when Tua Tongvaloa came out of college, and I am still, I'd like to make this abundantly clear. I'm not settled on where exactly on the spectrum of Tua avid love and Tua not the long-term answer. I don't know where I'm going to fall on that spectrum right now. I don't have enough information, but I'm seeing enough flashes, and I'm not going to nickel and dime every single throw just to throw some dirt on the pile, or lift him up unnecessarily. It was a good play. <laughs> it was a play you're not supposed to be able to hit, and the Dolphins hit it anyway because of Tyreek and his speed and explosiveness. And Tua got it out there, and Tyreek made an adjustment on the ball. And a lot of times, that's the recipe for successful plays. You think Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase hit the ground running because every ball is a dime, or is it because it's understanding the leverage of the defensive back, put it to a certain spot, let Jamar Chase make an adjustment? Let Tyreek Hill make adjustments to the ball. He did on that play, and his 51-yard game. A lot of good. There was a lot of good uh, on both sides of the football and wanted to make some of those observations. Uh, but primarily, the Dolphins are much more ready to play a football game right now than what they were uh, just two weeks ago against Tampa Bay. I watched that, I watched that Dolphins team playing. I know the Eagles didn't play everybody. But I came away and said, let's play the regular season game on Thursday. <laughs> let's play the Pats on Thursday. I'm ready to go. And the team looked ready to go. They had a lot humming offensively. We're going to acknowledge some of the, the individual standouts. But before we do, need to make sure you guys are up to speed on our dear, dear friends over at Bryco. You don't ever want to be that guy that goes viral for some four-figure, expensive jewelry item going up over your hand and and falling into the water out on the pier or you're up on the mountaintop and bird flies by and knocks something out of your hand you know these these viral moments they seem to pop up once in once every six months where some some guys trying to make some elaborate proposal and the ring uh next thing you know is lost to mother earth don't don't be that guy you don't want it splattered all over the Internet, even if you are that guy. So that, the guys at Brightco Jewelry Insurance will make sure you get a replacement for the full value of your ring, no matter if it's lost, stolen, or if you just can't figure out what happened to it. Go to bright.co. LockedOn is the fastest, easiest, and cheapest way to cover your butt with the best jewelry insurance in the business. That is bright.co. LockedOn. As we uh, continue here on the show... We're going to talk about a lot of fast performers, right? What's also nice when it's fast is your cars. Turo is the world's largest car-sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles in just about for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event Birthday or holiday, find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget or just need to get from A to B. Test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms and conditions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. I actually wish I had known about Turo a couple weeks ago. I uh, had a cracked windshield. I bought a car out of state. Failed the inspection because apparently Delaware says you can't have tint on your front windows. I bought it with the tint on, so I had to schedule to get the tint off. And then on my way from the tint to driving home to go to the DMV to get it registered and then get a plate, uh, I had a rock hit my windshield, cracked my windshield with about a foot long crack. And it's been seven weeks trying to find a a glass service that's capable of repairing it and not ordering the wrong part. So uh, Turo would have been clutch for me. Uh, I'll have to file that away for my next road trip or when I go on a scouting trip, but uh, let's, let's talk Dolphins performers on the field. Okay. Uh, Tyree kill huge standout win. <laughs> uh, I thought he played phenomenally for the short stretch in which we saw him. Uh, I'll also say this, the interior trio of Liam Eikenberg, Connor Williams and Robert Hunt, I thought played excellent football, excellent complimentary interior football in this contest against the Eagles. I thought they had good movement. Uh, you saw some power concepts with pulls. and whether it's Robert Hunt down on the goal line locking, knocking 23 into a zip, different zip code uh, with his pull, or if it's Liam Eichenberg pulling to kick out the defensive end for trap play for a big 10-plus yard run. These guys inside got after. I thought Connor Williams comfortably made the best performance of his season to this point in time as well. And I'd also be remiss uh, to not mention Greg Little. I thought Austin Jackson was fine as well, but Greg Little really stood out to me because that swing tackle spot has been a big, big question mark. We're sitting here asking ourselves, okay, do we have the swing tackle on the roster? Greg Little didn't play in the first two games of the preseason. What the hell's going on here? Well, Greg Little played the entire first half and then some, and Greg Little played really well. And I understand, again, the Eagles didn't have all their starters out there. Uh, so, so that kind of skews the evaluation a little bit. I understand that, but Greg was very consistent. He had a couple really, he had a couple really nice short sets. Uh, Short sets is when you get out of your stance and you get up on top of a guy right away as compared to when you get into your pass set or your kick slide where you're taking depth and you're trying to reduce or steepen the angle for him to turn the corner on the outside and got to be ready to redirect inside uh, short sets are all about getting hands on guys early. And Greg did that a couple of times and did really, really well with it. So that was an impressive performance uh, in my eyes as well. Uh, offensively, keeping our focus there, Raheem Mostert had the big 26 yard run with the wind back. I know we mentioned the wind back with Chase Edmonds on the first play from scrimmage against um, the Raiders that went for minus three. That if Larnell Coleman had seen the second level pressure come, uh, and made an adjustment. It could have been a 75-yard touchdown run. Well, they came from a different concept, a little back, different backfield motion against the Raiders. It was a short toss that you were then going to wind back and, and cut back against the grain from your initial track inside with an inside zone. This was a little bit more counter, right, where you had a fullback in Seathan Carter, who took a short motion to the, the front side of the play, and takes his first step to the front side, and then winds back and spills the defensive end. And uh, Raheem comes out of the mesh point, takes his step, and then gets on the track right behind him, and is boom off to the race. And he had a really good wash off the right side of the line of scrimmage. Left the defensive end of the block. Ethan Carter cuts him down. You're out the gate, 26 yard. Same kind of concept uh, as far as we're going to get flow going and then utilize our speed with those softened edges and try to get outside and try and get up into the secondary. Not the same exact play, but the same general concept as far as defensive flow and working back against it. And this windback hit for 26. Um, he had a really nice, that, that uh, incomplete pass, to Tungvalu's only incomplete pass, the one to, to River Craycraft. Was also a very nice pickup by Raheem Mostert as well. Very encouraged by what he showcased for himself in this contest. I, I want to shout out all of the back half of the roster backs, the running backs. These all They all ran like their job was on the line because it was. But they all ran very hard. Gaskin ran hard. Ahmed ran hard. Dokes ran hard. Zaquandri had a nice run. I thought Dokes probably helped himself the most, but Dokes also had the furthest to go. And I think it's probably a little too late, too little too late for Jared Dokes. If you had to ask me right now, I do think financially uh, the advantage gets tipped to Savan Ahmed uh, to be the fourth back. His cost versus Miles at over $2.5 million is a big enough difference in my mind that um, and, and the comparable play, especially because Sony Michelle is the short yardage back and a guy who can pass protect with consistency. I just think the speed and, and less financial commitment from Savon is is really going to move the needle in that way for the Dolphins to be the fourth back. I, I also think about Seaton Carter, who got a lot of run against the Eagles, and it was one of those, um, I think you got to go out there and take it type performances, and he played hard. He played really hard. He obviously had the touchdown catch. He had a couple nice blocks, including the spill on the counter by Raheem. Uh, But there were a couple times from H-back and fullback alignments where he's stepping to get into bodies and kind of overextends himself and ends up uh, on the ground in the hole. And it happened twice. And then there was also a short yardage play down in the goal line where I thought he got knocked around a little bit. And I think for Seathan, for another guy who's a two and a half million dollar salary with like twenty five k in dead cap, like it, it, they could save effectively the entire contract. Him being tight end four on a roster that's going to carry a fullback, potentially six wide receivers, and potentially four running backs. Like that, that to me is a spot that I would not be surprised we get the roster cuts and the Dolphins carry the three tight ends with Gasecki, Smythe, and Long, and then acknowledge Alec Ingle can do effectively all the things that we ran Seathen Carter out to do. And it felt like it was an evaluation of Seathan to take that spot. Now, Seathan can play special teams. He's perfectly good as an H-back tight end. But I'm just thinking, again, like Miles Gaskin, $2.5 million for a player who's going to be fourth on the depth chart who you have other players who can fill that role. That to me kind of does not add up in a favorable way for Seathan and Carter to make this roster, especially because you're sitting here talking about three quarterbacks on the 53 with Skylar Thompson, who played well again, big surprise <laughs> for the dolphins. Uh, a couple of the names offensively. I did just want to shout out. I thought Adam Penke, Uh, Again, played well. He played center and guard in this contest. I think that flexibility puts him down for a lock to make the roster. And Hunter Long, obviously, the whole catch, drop. He'll learn a lesson from that moment of the ball getting punched out. But getting called for OPI was a joke. It was an absolute joke of a call. He didn't extend. He was grabbed up top in the collar. Spare me with the OPI. Miss me with that. I thought he was, again... Effective in the run game as a blocker, in-line player. And then he bailed Skylar Thompson out. I mean, let's be honest. That ball by Skylar Thompson with a defender in your face, off your back foot, into double coverage, is not a ball you ever want to throw. You never want to throw that ball. Now, you'll get patted on the butt when you get over because it's a touchdown. Say, hey, nice job. Don't ever do that again. Uh, But that was a pick until Hunter Long made the effort that he made to undercut the defender and make that catch. Uh, So props to Hunter. I'm glad he got on the board with the the touchdown and the score because I thought he got robbed the one earlier in the game. Uh, But Hunter Long, again, second straight week was a winner for me offensively for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Before we get to the defensive side of the ball, I'll tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. How does it work? You get two to five players that you can pick. And if they go score more or less than prize picks projections, you can win up to 10 extra money for any entry. So here's an example. You could say, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes to throw for more than 320 yards, Derrick Henry to rush for less than 85 yards, Cooper Cup to score more than a half a touchdown, and Tyreek Hill to catch more than three and a half passes. If your parlay of picks works successfully, and you beat the house line for prize picks, you win. It's you versus the projections available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NFL, NBA, NBA, NHL, PGF, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Need I say less? Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy, fast, and safe withdrawals available. Currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you an extra $100. If you deposit $50, Prize will give you an extra $50. I'm not a math guy, but I can figure that one out. Don't forget to enter promo code locked On to sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: So defensively, this front was after it. This front was out for blood. The defensive front was possessed. Agba running through blockers. Raquan Davis stacking up blocks on the nose. Zach Sealer on the fourth down stuff, uh, on the opening defensive possession for a turnover on downs in Dolphins territory. A play that you were desperate for the Dolphins to make last week against the Raiders three times on third and fourth down. They couldn't do it. They got it here. Zach Sealer, big surprise. Go back, watch the Cardinals game in 2020. Um, I also thought Ben Stilley played a very reliable game. I know I said this this morning on social media already. Uh, About 6 a.m. I was up early watching the rest of the game tape so we can get this podcast out and I can have my full all 22 thoughts on both sides of the ball. Uh, I don't think the numbers are going to work out for Stilley to make the roster, especially we have to acknowledge the Dolphins signed Trey Flowers uh, over the weekend. I think that's a... um, it's a great addition for the Dolphins. I don't think it's a great omen for Van Ginkle being ready for week one. Um, but again, that was a, an appendix issue that, you know, if he misses time, it will only be an abbreviated amount of time. And I think, especially against the Patriots, having a player who, um, is a little bit more heavy handed and heavy anchored might not be a bad thing anyway. Uh, Andrew's a little bit more of a, a speed type player. I think he'll play into, um, New England's going to want to play this football game with a guy like Trey Flowers regardless. So, uh, but it was great uh, to see one Melvin Ingram out there creating chaos, blowing up a, uh, two blocks on the front side on an outside stretch uh, to allow uh, linebackers to scrape behind him and Christian Wilkins to scrape uh, underneath of him to pursue and string that out and set up a, a tackle on the perimeter for no gain. Uh, He was very active. I thought the first step for him and Jalen Phillips popped Jalen again, man. He drew, drew the holding penalty on the run uh, to, to help kill one drive for the Eagles. Uh, Then he forced another punt with a, a very quick win against Andre Dillard screaming off the edge and hitting Gardner Minshew as he was throwing the football underneath. I did not realize his hit actually preceded the release of the throw. It felt it was his presence that forced the throw to be poor, but Jalen actually got there in time and hit him as the ball was coming out and forced a, a bad throw for what would have been a completion underneath to the back uh, for a first down. The front was very, very active. Even Benito Jones splashed a little bit. Now, I still think Benito with consistency, there are some things you want to see get better as far as, uh, absorbing lateral contact. He's a little bit more of like a an undersized penetration type as compared to a true nose. And I think with what you have defensively with Raekwon, Christian can play the nose if you wanted him to, and John Jenkins, I don't think the numbers are going to work in Benito's favor either, uh, but he's a great practice squad stash guy that you could elevate for a game if you needed to. So that's kind of my expectation for Benito as well. Um, man, there's, there's uh, Sam McGuavin played his butt off. He was active. He had a sack against Reed Sinnott. He had a couple really nice tackles in space. He did a really nice job. Deconstru- Speaking of deconstructing blocks, yeah, Sam McGuavin did a nice job. Channing Tyndall, he folded Josh Sills in half like a lawn chair in <laughs> a short yardage run, like literally stepped down. Punch, set the hands, roll through with the hips, bow the offensive lineman's back, and then boom, fold him in half, pull him down. Tyndall played his butt off, too. I will say this. Channing Tyndall, he had the missed tackle on the touchdown run, uh, but there were also four DBs uh, on the back end of that play along the perimeter who just absolutely crapped their pants trying to to flow and get off blocks on the perimeter. Um, Elijah Hamilton was one who took out another Dolphins defender with how poorly he negotiated traffic and trying to work off a block on the edge. And then I thought Verone McKinley took a, a, an ambitious angle and then got caught up in the wash as well. Um, so yeah, Channing Tindall missed a tackle in that play for what should have been like an 8-9 yard run, and it went for 67 Because the DBs couldn't get off blocks on the perimeter and he had a bad angle on the back end. So I'm not going to kill him for that because I'm watching him step and trace the back and I'm watching him challenge offensive linemen and throw his hands and the explosiveness that he has and uh, how quickly he triggers in zone coverage on the underneath routes and the check downs to really rally to the football. It popped in a big way. Channing Tindall looked great. uh, For the second half that he played in that game. Um, I thought Jerome Baker played pretty well. He overran one one throw that was underneath, uh, kind of got strung out to the sideline, and he, he stayed over top of it, but when he came to balance, he was a little too far outside and gave up a cut and a little, a little bit extra yards uh, on that play in particular, but I thought Baker played really well as well. Uh, Brandon Jones, some zone coverage. So conceptually, the Dolphins were back to a lot of the one robber, cover one with a free safety over top, and then they'd spin the second safety down and have him play kind of like a shallow in-between-the-hashes, cut anything that comes across the middle. So a lot of one-robber. You saw a lot of cover three again, and I thought their drops were actually very good in cover three in this game. I thought their landmarks were really, really clean until you got late in the game, and then there was one play in particular uh, which Verone was kind of shaded to the boundary when if he they went up to the field, they had a vertical that could have hit between the corner and the safety because Verone had his hips open to the, the boundaries compared to the field. But uh, that would have been a big boy throw from Reed Sinnott. So I understand why uh, the landmarks were spaced the way that they were. But I, I really thought your second-level zone defenders, your backers kind of dropping out and, and you know sink underneath everything, and then rally up and tackle because you're going to force them to take the underneath stuff and force, you're going to force them to nickel and dime their way all down the field. Uh, That I thought that was a very, very good performance from his own perspective from the dolphins. And again, it's, it's worth remembering two of your best players on the defensive side of the ball did not play. Now AJ Brown didn't play. Devontae Smith didn't play. I don't even think that their third receiver played. So I get it. It was a lot of Dion Kane, right? A lot of threes on offense, but just the execution of what you had off uh, defensively, I thought was at a really high level. I thought Eric Rowe popped a couple of times. Um, stepping up, making some plays in the run game, kind of filling on the outside. Uh, Noi Benogany had the nice pass deflection as well. There's a lot to like. Uh, it was... A very complete performance. I think this, they said this 48 points was the most points the Dolphins have ever scored in a preseason game, surpassing a total against the Saints in 1974. Uh it was the second highest uh, yards performance in the preseason since 2017. And like the Bills last week was the only one that was better. Uh, this, this was all around defensive touchdown shout out to Elijah Campbell. Again, this dude's got to be on the roster. This dude has to be on the roster. I don't care if it's at the expense of Clayton Fezdalum or Noah Benagny. But, uh, if we get to tomorrow at four o'clock and initial cuts is comes tomorrow at four by four o'clock and we'll do tomorrow, we'll do our final discussion on what I think that's going to look like, what it will look like, not necessarily how I would construct it. Um, if Elijah Campbell's not on it, it's an L for the Dolphins. Now, it's not going to break your season. It's not going to kill you, but it would be an L in my mind with how good Elijah Campbell has played throughout the course of the preseason play on teams as well. So um, lots and lots and lots of good. Jason Sanders, another 50-plus-yard field goal attempt. Looking forward to, to seeing how the dust settles here uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Obviously a big win. A lot of players playing with a lot at stake and they they came out and they played an, an inspired, inspired game of football on Saturday night. So uh, we'll be back tomorrow to talk about that 53 roster projection. And then of course, we'll talk about what it actually looks like on Wednesday. Talk about surprises, talk about potential uh, waiver wire claims across the league because everybody's got to cut to, th- uh, to 53 by four o'clock tomorrow as well. So lots to look forward to. Hit subscribe, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day. I'm Kyle Krabs.